This audio is from King's Cross Church in Independence, Missouri. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit kingscrosskc.com. Our scripture reading this morning is John 10, 1 through 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hears his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Before we jump in this morning, I want to, uh, I want to say a few things about the volunteers of our church. I'm so thankful. We we have an incredible group of volunteers and many, uh, many churches like would be jealous to have the crew of volunteers that we have. And we need more volunteers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we do. Um, this morning, we have a classroom closed. Uh, our upper elementary class is closed because we could not find enough teachers uh, to fill it due to sickness and things like that. Um, and so we need volunteers to serve in kids. And this hasn't been a pain point yet this morning, but Pastor Orion is running sound in the front row. Um, so if you have like any complaints about the sound, you know where to go. Um but we, we do need sound people. We need children's volunteers. We need, if you're not serving, we're not asking if you're already serving to like cross over and serve in a thousand different other, other, other areas. But if you aren't serving and you're like, man, I just want to know where I can help. Here's the big green light. Um, we need you uh, to make this thing go. I am so excited about this passage this morning. And I'm excited about this passage because I, it is a word I needed this week. It's a word that I need often right now. Um, I need to hear about the protective nature of Jesus. 
man, I need it. Like I need it in my bones. And, and we can relate to Jesus. We understand what he's going through in this passage. And we'll give a little bit of what's going on contextually uh, here in a second. But all you need to know going into this part is that Jesus is, is fed up with seeing his people hurt. He's hurt or he's, and he's angry over it. And we can relate to this, man. I'll never forget the time we are, we're driving to the hospital. Kayla's pregnant with William, um, our oldest. And I'll never forget, this is the first time this has ever happened to me and would not be the last, but someone pulled out in front of us driving down the highway and was just like not paying attention or whatever. And I don't know what happened inside of me, but I remember this protective rage welling up for the first time like a volcano. And I just remember like, it would be really gracious of me to erase that person from the face of the earth. Like, <laughs> and that is the nicest way I can put how I felt in that moment. And I come by it 100% honestly, like my dad's protective nature. I fell off a piano bench as a kid and he threw it in the front yard. And, I, and my mom literally chased a man down with a hammer, got out of her car and like brandished a hammer at someone who wouldn't leave her alone. Like I come by this protective thing, honest, honestly, and, and we all do that, right? We all, like the phrase mama bear is a real thing and we know what it means. Like you guys think, oh, Kayla's this precious little sweet person. Listen, when someone harms her family or threatens her family, she is not the crying during the announcements, Kayla. Like <laughs> things, things shift um, in that moment. And, and we get it, like we get protective over the things that we care about, the things that we love. And even as pastors of this church, when any of us feel like you have been threatened, harmed, or are upset, like it, it really burdens us. It like, it fills me with deep sorrow and pain and anger to see the flock that God has entrusted us with hurting. And so um, I relate to Jesus in this. And here's something that we all should know too. We will all fail at protecting and shepherding. We will fail. You will fail to protect and shepherd your family, your friends, your kids, whatever. And we as pastors will not be perfect shepherds of this flock. We will fail on this side of eternity. And that's, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. But here's why I love this text today, because we're talking about a shepherd who can't. He won't fail. He will not fail to protect his flock. He will not fail to stand up for his flock. And he, in this moment, is so frustrated with these Pharisees who have been supposed, they were supposed to have been caring for the flock and they haven't been. And so he is furious. So this morning, as we read this text, here's what I, I want you to have as the word washes over you, like rest in the, the shepherding nature of our savior. I want you to be encouraged by who Jesus says he is this morning and how he says he's going to protect you and, and take care of you and shepherd you. Like this is ministry to your soul this morning to hear this text. It was ministry to mine this week. And if you're a wolf in the room, <laughs> be warned. We have a, a shepherd who will protect his flock. And my prayer for you is that you would be transformed. So let's pray and jump in to the scripture. Father, we love your word. We need your word. Lord, I crave the message of this sermon this morning. 
for myself selfishly. They have been nourishment for me like every step of the, the, the week this week. And so God, as the word is open and preached and proclaimed, let it go out and change people. Let it minister to people. Let it be a tourniquet for souls this morning. Spirit, come and be present with us right now. Bring healing, bring life, bring joy, bring uh, power. All the things that your people need this morning, we are weak and we need you. So God be glorified in our weakness. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, John 10. Jesus is frustrated. If you remember last week, he just healed this man who was born blind. And it's this amazing miracle. The man is radically saved. He's excited. He's praising Jesus. And then the Pharisees come and they don't get excited like this man is. And they kick him out. They had kicked this guy out. They're like, well, you're saying Jesus is Lord. You can't be here anymore. And Jesus in this encounter with the Pharisees is finally like, enough is enough. And so he just starts telling the story. He does a better job than I would. He does a rage monster and start attacking the Pharisees. But he does tell a story that should drive a stake at the heart of who they believe that they are. And so as we understand this, you, you get into the mode with me that like Jesus is a protective, he is a angry shepherd and it's a righteous anger here. It's a righteous anger because the sheep that should have been protected for hundreds of years until the Messiah came, have not been, they were not protected. And these men, these religious leaders are at fault. So this is a direct conversation where he is confronting them with beautiful parables and narratives and the people around listening should be encouraged and should feel safe and loved by their savior. So let's begin verse one. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Jesus is saying, hey, Pharisees, religious leaders, not only have you dropped the ball here, not only have you not been protecting this flock, but you've actually caused harm to them. It's not just negligence. It's not just, oh yeah, they're, they're good on their own, but you're actively manipulating and causing harm to these sheep. Matt Carter summarizes Jesus' anger with the Pharisees when he writes this. He says, those who were supposed to lead the Israelites who were in positions of religious influence and who were to be God's representatives to his people were not caring for the sheep. They were hurting the sheep. Instead of, loading, uh, instead of leading them to encounter and obey God, they were leading the people away from God into empty religious rituals. Instead of bringing people of God to graze in the pastures of God's grace, the religious leaders were loading them up with the weight of religion and man-made requirements and making them plow barren fields of legalism. Instead of guarding the flock of God, they were goading them to turn from God to their own effort. Instead of leading them to the overflowing fountains of grace, they were leaving the sheep distressed, diseased, and spiritually dead. And Jesus sees all this and he says, enough is enough. This is over. You're not gonna hurt my sheep anymore. And his anger at the Pharisees was righteous. And get this, this is so fun. This is your Bible nerd moment. This is a prophetic anger. It's a prophetic anger. If you look back at Ezekiel 34, the prophet Ezekiel 
prophesied for this very moment. And if you're a Pharisee, you should know this really well. And this should cause you to like shake in your bones in this moment where Jesus is claiming to be the shepherd of the sheep, that they have mishandled the sheep. This prophecy prophecy should come back to the Pharisees, punching them in the gut as they realize who they are in the parable. Listen to Ezekiel 34, the the first uh, six verses. He says, ah, This is God speaking to the leaders of Israel. All shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. And so they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, God says. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill, my sheep were scattered over them, over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. God is saying the leaders of Israel are failing at shepherding the people. The religious leaders are failing at shepherding them. They are hurting the sheep. They have turned from guiding and loving and correcting and and leading them to God and leading them to God's grace. They have turned from that. And now they are manipulating, causing harm, causing destruction. And God is saying enough is enough. And then if you go to the bottom of Ezekiel 34, the prophecy that all of us latch onto and hope for, he says, God says this, I will rescue my flock though. They shall no longer be prey and I will judge between sheep and sheep and hear this and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd and I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. It's important to know that when this prophecy was spoken, David's been in the ground for a long time. This isn't a future David, like David the king, arising from the dead and doing it again. This is someone in the line of David who would come and be established as the prince, the one who would rule, the, the, the over-shepherd once and for all time. This, this one shepherd will take care of the sheep. He shall feed them. God will rescue his flock through this one shepherd. It was a prophetic moment and the Pharisees should have heard this parable and, and, and been terrified because they are the ones harming the sheep and Jesus is claiming to be the prophesied one shepherd from the line of David that will fix all of this once and for all. He's setting up a new paradigm, Jesus is, for the religious leaders where they are stripped of their shepherding duties that they have failed to fulfill because they've not been shepherds. He says they've been thieves, that they've been robbers. (laughs) And he will establish himself as the shepherd who will never fail and the sheep are gonna be taken care of by him from here on. Their day is over. Jesus says, no more. And so what he does for the rest of the parable is he sets up the opposite of what the Pharisees have been doing. All of the harm that we see has been caused to the people of Israel. He's saying, a good shepherd doesn't look like that. A good shepherd looks like this. And the rest of the parable shows us what that is. And it's three things, three things. First, we're gonna see this here in a second. As he continues, he shows them that the, the, the Pharisees have been thieves and robbers. The good shepherd does three things. The first thing, the good shepherd gathers his sheep. 
So you'll notice in the, the language he was using about the Pharisees, they weren't gathering the sheep, they were causing them to scatter, right? And the, they were causing them to scatter and wolves were coming and picking them off. He says, no, 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 a good shepherd gathers his sheep. Listen to verse two, but he who enters by the door is the, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they won't follow, but they will flee from him, the stranger, for they do not know the voice of stranger. Jesus is approaching this pen, right? The people that the Pharisees have been shepherding, he approaches the pen, the pen of legalism, the pen of oppression, the pen of religious lies, corruption. He approaches that pen and he says, sheep who are mine, come out. It's time for you to come out of that pen. This is not a safe place for you. This, this is supposed to be a place where you were safe, but it's only, you've only been manipulated. The, 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 the Pharisees are not protecting you. They're coming in, they're, they're feeding the robber, they're robbing you. And so come out, come out of this pen. And those that followed Jesus did because he, they recognized his voice. When Jesus called you into salvation with the same powerful voice that commanded this world into existence, you saw him for the first time, the shepherd, you recognized his voice and you ran to him. If you're a believer in Jesus this morning, you are one of his sheep and he will never abandon, he will never forget you. And I want you to notice the intimacy of the language in this passage. He doesn't... If you've ever called animals, I grew up on a farm, so I realize I have the curse of knowledge here, but it's, it's ridiculous the way you call animals. It, like, I don't want to do it from the stage. It would be distracting, but my son is really good at calling the beagles that my dad has. And it's like this ridiculous like call. It sounds crazy. If you out of context were to just to hear it in this room, it would cause you alarm and you would be fearful. But it's how you call animals. It's just this general like noise but that's not how Jesus calls his sheep. It's not how he calls his sheep in this passage. Notice he calls them by name. He doesn't just say, come on sheep or whatever. Like he calls them one by one, each by name. And he doesn't let them go. He doesn't lose them. Remember back in chapter six of John, Jesus said this, all that the father has given me will come to me and I will never what? I will never cast them out. All that the father has given me, they will come to me and I will never cast them out. The sheep hear the voice of their shepherd. They are gathered to him. And notice here too, that the credit, the glory isn't placed on the sheep. <laughs> sheep are dumb. They are, they're dumb animals. So like when we say we are sheep, like it's this humble thing because we are actually admitting that we are pretty weak, that we are dumb. Not like intelligent. Yes, you're intelligent people, but like as sheep, we don't have it together. And we often prove that by making terrible decisions all the time, all the time. You are not glorified here. The shepherd is glorified who calls you. You are not in Jesus's flock because you follow Jesus. You follow Jesus because he called you and you are in his flock. That's where the glory goes. I love how one author puts it. He says, on our best day, we are all still helpless sheep who need a shepherd. We are 
following his voice. We do not know the right way. We don't know where to go. We often put ourselves in positions as sheep that cause us and others harm. Amen? We do. We try to like muscle up and we're gonna do the right thing, but we often will fail at that. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 just listen to me, hear my voice and follow me. I want you to recognize something else about the context. This is really cool. What did he just do in chapter nine? He healed a blind man who could not see him. The first time this man met Jesus wasn't because he saw who he was, recognized him as this prophet from Galilee and Nazareth, all this, like he was like, oh, this is Jesus. No, he heard his voice and he trusted his voice. And when he heard the voice of Jesus and even later he's recognized Jesus by his voice because he didn't see him when he healed. He like go washed himself in the pool and then he came back and he's like, I can see. And then he sees Jesus and hears his voice and he's like, this is the savior. This is the Christ. But the Pharisees didn't recognize this voice. They did not recognize the voice of the shepherd. Verse six says the figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. It's ironic. The sheep hear the shepherd's voice and these men, these religious leaders did not recognize it. And so Jesus goes at him again. Verse seven, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came to me, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and life abundantly. The good shepherd not only gathers his sheep to go to pasture, he protects his sheep. He protects his sheep. How shepherds protected their sheep historically is important as he calls himself the door. Oftentimes they wouldn't have like nice fences and gates like you would imagine. They just had a field and there's all kinds of animals out there, right? And so the best way that the shepherds could protect them is to build some sort of enclosure, makeshift enclosure, whether it be through like sticks or dried brush, they would build a, a round pen of sorts surrounding the sheep and they would leave one entrance so you could go in and out. So the only way into this thing is through this door. And what shepherds would do is they would sleep at that door. They would lay down and at night when it was time to go to bed, they would lay down and they would sleep at that door. So if anything, whether it be wolves, lions, bears, whatever, if they were to come take the sheep, they came in through the door. And Jesus is saying, you guys are my sheep and I am the door. I am the door. I'm the one. If you want to get to my sheep, in other words, you've got to come through me. You've got to come through me. The religious leaders had failed to protect them. Uh, the, the, look at the blind man's excommunication, right? He gets kicked out of the church. He, he's there. In this moment, Jesus is like, listen, you're not protecting my sheep. Here's a perfect example. This man was born blind and all you can do in the, in the wake of his, mirac his miraculous healing is kick him out of this place because you don't like what he says. But what he is saying is true. And instead of shepherding and loving and celebrating, you're kicking him out. You're abandoning him. You're not protecting him. And I'm saying this isn't happening anymore. I'm the door, I'm the door. And, and put yourself in the shoes of the people listening right now that are not the religious leaders. It was probably pretty jarring to them to hear that the religious leaders were 
corrupt. One author puts it this way. Think of it like this. These people have dutifully obeyed these men. You know, just a few generations, these were the heroes of Israel. They were the freedom, fire, freedom fighters that rescued them. Like these are not, we think of them as bad guys, but we wouldn't have probably, right? They've dutifully, dutifully obeyed these men. Their families have listened and responded to their teaching. Their hope was in following the words of these shepherds. And in this moment, they turned out to be wicked. Imagine not being able to trust those you thought were looking out for you, this writer says. Imagine hearing that not only what they taught you was wrong, but it was destructive. At this point, wouldn't you be thinking, Jesus, if this is true, what can I do? Who do I trust? Where do I go? If I was so wrong about these men, remember, we are dumb sheep. If I was so wrong about these men, whom can I listen to? And Jesus says, hey, I am the door. I will protect you. The answer is come to Jesus. If you have no idea where to go in the wake of this, he says, come to me, come to me. You will find your protection here from thieves and robbers. Enter the flock of Jesus and the religious leaders can no longer damage you. They can't take away from you what I can give you. Jesus guards you and Jesus is still doing this to this day. This very day, he is guarding you. He is guarding you. You don't think that there's thieves and robbers out there in the world. You don't have your eyes open. They are everywhere. Every time I turn on the news, which by God's grace, I'm trying to give up for Lent because don't watch it. Like I need to watch, I need not to watch it, right? Like we don't need to get anxious, right? But in the news, on social media, everywhere you look right now in the, in the world, there are liars, there are thieves, and there are robbers who would love for their own gain, for their own power, for their own authority to cause you to stray, to cause you to follow them, to walk away from this, to not look at Jesus. And Jesus is saying, they are not here for you, for your protection. They are here to steal, to kill and destroy. You need to, you need to follow me. Listen to the voice of the shepherd, not to the liars, not to the thieves, not to the robbers. They are not here for your benefit. They are here for your destruction. They're out there. Hey, you know, Jesus is great. You can, you can follow God and you could do whatever you want. That's a lie. Hey, you know what? We need to take this and we need to add some rules to this. Let's make some more laws and add on to what God teaches. That is a lie. Hey, if you do everything you're supposed to, God's gonna make you financially rich. He might, right? He might actually do that. But it is not a cause and effect. You don't get rich by following God automatically. It is not a guarantee. That is a lie. There are so many liars out there that would cause us harm. And Jesus is saying, listen to my voice and I will protect you. Sir, these people may take your body. They may hurt you. They may cause you harm on this side of, of eternity. But this is not the end. This is not the end. These small little battles they think they've won, they will not win ultimately. I have got you. They cannot defeat you eternally. They may take everything from you on this side of creation, but on the other side, they will have nothing and you will have everything. I am the door. I am the door. I am the door. And here's what I love about this. 
And Jesus' protection, notice he doesn't say, hunker down behind me and like, you're gonna be okay. Like, you don't need to hide. You don't need to like be afraid and just like get behind me and cower. No, (laughs) the image he gives is that we go behind him into a field and live life abundantly. We go behind our shepherd who is the door and live a full life, full of joy. Psalms 23 paints a beautiful picture of this as the shepherding Psalm, right? As we are led through the valley of the shadow of death, right? The worst possible place, which maybe you're like, man, I know that place. I know that place. But listen, that, that Psalm says, I, I will fear no evil. I can go into that place and I can fear no evil. Why? Because Jesus is the door. He is the shepherd. He is the one shepherd who is established once and for all to rule and to reign forever. Like I can trust in him. And even in the worst possible moments on this side of eternity, he has got me. I know that he won't abandon me. I know that he's here. I know that none of this pain is meaningless. I know that none of this good stuff is meaningless. Like it is all pointing to glory. On the other side, you will have joy. The other side of being protected by your shepherd, the good shepherd. So what's like the lie of this piece too, though? Because oftentimes you and I, in those moments of pain and struggling, me included, we don't look to the good shepherd to protect us. We start to look everywhere else, everywhere else, whether it's, you know, what you name it, like, you, you know, the idols, we throw out like the general list all the time, everywhere else besides Jesus to find this protection that for, to, to, to provide us the safety, the security, this comfort. We go to those places all the time. And those are idols. <laughs> they're not bad. They're not all bad things, right? But when we rely on them and them alone to be our source of protection, it's idols, it's idolatry. They will not sustain us. They will not bring us joy. One writer says, if your life is anything other, anything about other than Jesus, you will be unfulfilled and lacking true joy. Your idolatry, in fact, will rob you of the delight of God. And it's the delight that God wants you to have in this life in Jesus. If you pursue anything as ultimate in your life other than Jesus, it will fail. But in Jesus, regardless of your circumstances, you can discover unshakable joy and abundant life Listen to this though, not an abundance of possessions or even an abundance of laughs, but a life overflowing with joy in Jesus. He did not call you out of sin to live a life of boring mediocrity. He called you to feast at his table and rejoice in his presence. One commentator says, stop wandering away from the shepherd to seek out your own pasture to find your own water. Cause every time you do, you will find the grass withered and the water bitter. The water bitter. Jesus is the one who gathers us. Jesus is the one that protects us. And this is the news that you need to hear this morning. The final thing a good shepherd does is a good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. He lays it down. He says, I'm the good shepherd. Like they need to be reminded at this point, right? He just keeps like, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one. You're not. I'm the one. Verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not, does not, uh, does not 
sorry. He who is a hired hand and not a, not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. There's that argument that we've seen all through John, like me and the father are one. And I lay my life down for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold and I must bring them also that they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay my life down that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay my life down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. I want you to get this picture as he's painting this story. We have these shepherds who are supposed to be protecting God's people, but they have caused them to scatter. Their voice was harmful. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm the shepherd that gathers. My voice brings you in. It is a safe place. I will not harm you. I will in fact protect you. These Pharisees have not protected you, but I am the good shepherd. I will protect you. And here's how you'll know. I will be the door. Nothing gets in or out unless it's through me. And those who come through me will have life and life abundant me. And I love you so much. I love you sheep so much that when the wolves come, I won't just run away like a hired hand. I'm these, these Pharisees are hired hands. They have no ownership in this flock. I'm not a hired hand. When the wolves come, I will run. I will lay my life down willingly for my sheep. And here's the stinking best part. It's not over. John Piper says this, he says, hey, we don't need this picture of a sheep gate with Jesus lying there bloody and mangled with wolves lying around him. Our shepherd did not stay dead. He did not stay dead. He is alive. He is alive. The good shepherd has the authority to take it up again. He lays it down. He takes it up again. Sure, they beat him. Sure, they let him do a cross. And he let them do that. He even knows that all of heaven could have come down as his command and destroyed everyone. He could have righteously done that. And yet out of love, he willingly laid his life down for his sheep, for you and me, those who he has called by name. Gosh, that's all I needed to hear this week, man. And one day, gosh, this is it, right? One day we will reign with our living shepherd, King Jesus, our good shepherd in the pasture of eternity forever. And it will be good. There will be no more tears, no more sadness, no more sorrow. All of that will be gone. One day the wolves that threaten us on this side of eternity will no longer be a threat. Their day will be done. Their day will end. Their reign and rule will be defeated. And we will reign and rule with King Jesus forever. Until that day though, what are we to do? What are we to do? It's not hard. We've already said it. We follow the good shepherd. We follow the good shepherd. And Psalms 23 gives us a beautiful picture of what it means to follow him. If you follow the good shepherd, you shall not want. You will want for nothing. If you follow the good shepherd, he will make you lie down in green pasture. He will make you lie down in green pasture. If you follow the good shepherd, he will lead you beside still waters. If you follow the good shepherd, he will restore your soul. If you follow the good shepherd, he will lead you in paths of righteousness. He will do it. 
when you follow the good shepherd, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will feel, fear no evil for you are with the good shepherd. When you follow the good shepherd, you will be comforted by his rod and his staff. They are not there to hurt you, to harm you, to abuse you. The rod and the crook of the shepherd are there to comfort you, to protect you, to guide you when you steer off course. When you follow the good shepherd, he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil. When you follow the good shepherd, your cup overflows. And when you follow the good shepherd, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And when you follow the good shepherd, you will dwell in his house, in his pasture forever. Let's, let's pray. Father, we need you. Good shepherd, guide us, silly, ignorant sheep. Lord, if there's those in this room today that just needed to hear that encouragement, let them be comforted by you right now. If there's those in this room today that maybe they've never heard that before. They've been wandering as a lost sheep for so long. And this morning they hear your voice for the first time. And you're saying, follow me, follow me. I will gather you, I will protect you. And I have laid my life down for you. Let them believe and be saved as one of the sheep. God, you are building something. You are building your kingdom and it's here. As your sheep, let us follow you faithfully. Let us find nourishment in you. Let us not wander to other pastures, but guide our hearts and our eyes and our minds all back to you. And it's in your name we pray, amen.